ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Thanks for joining again on the No Higher Calling podcast. Simeon is back with me today. Hello. So I said last episode, we are kind of just enjoying each other on the podcast this month in February. And uh, last time we talked about some date night ideas, really that are specifically unique to us, but maybe it gave you an idea of something outside of the box to try to enjoy your spouse. Um, In today's episode, we are going to talk about love languages. So I actually read the like famous book, Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I think when I was in high school, um, so very preemptive, the five love languages. Yes. Thank you. Um, by Gary Chapman, when I was in high school, kind of figured out what my love language is. I thought that was really cool. I don't really get into the whole like personality, all of that assessment kind of stuff. Um, but I, I found that the love languages was very helpful Um, Not so much in high school, but as I got married um, and knowing my own love language helped me kind of think through how I process being loved and receiving love and then also giving love because Simeon's love language is very different from mine. And I think through our dating and even into early marriage, um, you know, it, it says usually the way that you receive love is the way that you give love. So I was giving him love in the way that I like to receive it. And that's not necessarily what he most enjoys. Um, so kind of navigating and thinking through this a little bit, uh, since we've been married has been kind of helpful for our relationship. But if you're listening, you're like, I have no earthly idea what she is talking about. I will link in the show notes, uh, the book, the five love languages by Gary Chapman, and you can read that. Um, I will also put a link for the website where you can take a little quiz and figure out what your love language is. So there are five basic love languages, um, ways that when when love is expressed to us through this avenue, we feel loved, or ways that we express love to others. The first one is um, words of affirmation. There's acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and receiving gifts. So we took the quiz, and I'll read you my results, and then I'll let Simeon read his. So... I knew this about myself. I came back 30% words of affirmation. That's my overarching one. Um, Quality time was at 27%, which was actually closer to words of affirmation than I thought it would be. Then 23% acts of service, 20% physical touch, and then 0% receiving gifts, which is funny. I like like getting gifts, but that is like when, when going through the questions, if it was a choice of getting a gift or one of those other things, something else won out every time. Um, but I knew words of affirmation was my overarching one. I love when he tells me, I love you. Um, which is so funny because when we first got married, you are not words of affirmation. Nope. So he was very, um, like a man. (laughs) I'd be like, do you love me? And he's like, yeah, I told you that like on our wedding day. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that bad, but it was close. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, you don't understand. I want to hear that you love me every time you see me. (laughs) Multiple times. when I was trying to give him love, I was, you know, leaving sticky notes everywhere and writing him these long letters. And then I'm like, why aren't you leaving me sticky notes? 
and writing me. And not that he hasn't. I mean, actually, I have a whole notebook of letters that he gave to me. Um, but especially when we kind of branched into marriage, because it's a little bit different when you're dating and kind of trying to win that heart and impress somebody. And then when you settle into marriage, and marriage has its own special, unique um, things that it affords, I guess. Um, so the, the aspect of the love languages changes a little bit, but I will let Simeon read his results to you. Okay, so mine are physical touch, 37%, quality time, 23%, receiving gifts, 17%, words of affirmation, 13%, and acts of service, 10%. Apparently, I'm more well-rounded than Brittany is. <laughs> and he would argue that there is a missing love language, and that is cookies. Yes, absolutely. That ranks, like, pr well, probably under physical touch, but... <laughs> it's pretty close. Um <laughs> I guess that's supposed to fall under acts of service, but I only got 10% on that. But I think it's because they never asked any questions about cookies. <laughs> so those are our results. Um, it'd be fun for you to get on there and, you know, do it with your spouse. It took us like five or 10 minutes to go through that. But the whole thing with the love languages is to figure out how you best receive love and then figure out the person that you love, how you can best show them that love, how you can best communicate to them, I love you. And there's actually the five love languages for children, which let me give a plug, is really, really good too. It's the same idea, but it's specific instead of to a spouse, it is to a child. And it really emphasized, and the five love languages, you know, in, in a marriage relationship did as well, but they both really emphasized communicate love in all of these areas. But if your spouse is predominantly, or if your child is predominantly acts of service, don't focus so much on physical touch or gifts that you neglect acts of service. So find what they communicate love the most as and really invest there while also focusing on all of the other ones. And I, I can just give testimony here from Simeon and our children. When I have really been intentional about trying to keep this in my mind and really working at showing love in all these areas, but then really specifically targeting each person and their predominant love language, um, I've seen the fruit of that. I've seen reward from that um, in the relationship that I share with that person. So we're just going to go through these different uh, love languages real quick and make a few comments. Some of this that I'm going to share actually came from, I think it was maybe an Instagram post that, um, oh, I have to link them in the comments. I can't remember exactly what their Instagram handle is, but they wrote the book Fierce Marriage. And Simeon and I read that two or three years ago, and it was really, really good. So their whole, they have a podcast, an Instagram account, and like I said, I'll link all of that. Um, but they just really have a lot of relationship helps for spouses, for husband and wives. But and by the this, way, this isn't something that you need to do just because you're having marriage trouble. Oh, you no. Know, this we is weren't like, having marriage trouble when we read it, but it still helped us. Yeah, no, and this can even just be for fun. I mean, just to figure out what... What helps and what way do you communicate best with each other? And, you know, it's obviously if you're having marriage trouble, get help. Um, work through that to whatever degree help you need. Um, but, I mean, I, we have a good marriage, but I feel like it could always be getting better, really, as we are both striving to be more like Christ. It needs to be getting better. Yeah. Um, it's, I think, it's, I think your, your marriage is just like your Christian life in one way, and that is that if it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Nothing ever stagnates. If something does stagnate, that is a sign that it's getting worse. So, um, 
you know, if you're, if you, it, you can't go wrong with trying to work on it or make it better. And let me just say too, this is fun. It's fun to figure out what your love language is. And it is fun to amp up trying to express that. And whatever the love language is, it is fun putting thought and time and effort into somebody that you love, to watching them enjoy the fact that you are putting effort into them. Um, and usually what happens when I try to invest extra into loving Simeon, he in return naturally does the same back to me. And there's nothing worse than putting effort into something and then it not being appreciated. So it's, it's worthwhile to find out if they're going to appreciate it before you put the work into something, right? So I would hate to spend a significant amount of time, resources, even money doing something only to find out that it wasn't something they really wanted you to do. Um, so knowing that they'll appreciate it before you do it is, is important. And uh, you, that's a lot easier to do when you know what they like and when you know what their, their love language is. Yeah. And I guess this whole topic really is just, you would enjoy probably any of these things that I would do for you, but there are some that you would enjoy above and beyond. And that's where I'd want to focus my attention. Okay, so let's talk about these five different things quickly. Okay, so the first one is words of affirmation. This is my love language. So some different thoughts, some different things that I saw from the fierce marriage people. Um, when you are, ways that you can show love if you are a words of affirmation kind of person. You can encourage, affirm, appreciate, and emphasize. Be an active listener. This is very important. Um, I like to receive Simeon's words of love, but I also like for him to listen when I need to talk. Um, and often, you know, I, I don't, it's not like loving things that I need to say. Maybe I just need to share about my day or share about my struggles and I need him to listen to me. Another thing is you could send an unexpected note, text, or card, encourage genuinely and often. I love getting love notes. I love getting you know, even texts throughout the day. I'm thinking about you or other things. Um, those are special to me. So one of the things that you would not want to do, let's kind of flip this on onto the opposite end of the spectrum here. So those are some things that you could do to encourage and to show love to a person that their love language is words of affirmation. Something you would not want to do is to give non-constructive criticism. So I, I do like constructive criticism. I like to know areas that I can do better in. Obviously, that has to be framed in the right approach um, for it to be received well. But if it's non-constructive, if you're just being critical, um, you know, I, I can recall to my mind things that people have said to me throughout my life um, that was maybe just even a passing comment, but it sticks with me because I have a words of I am a words of affirmation person. Their critical words held such weight that even some of those things loom in the back of my thoughts to a, to a degree that it, sometimes it it kind of holds me back or keeps me feeling um, defeated. So it's very important to to be careful with your words, <laughs> whether you speak words of affirmation or as someone you love does or not. We need to guard our tongues. On the note of um, words of affirmation, it, it's funny that you talk about criticism um, because it just made me think of a, a story with Charles Spurgeon where someone came to him and said, you know, these other preachers are talking about you and this is what they're saying. And his response was, well, if they only knew me, it'd be far worse. And um, so I think it's interesting that, I don't, it's not exactly what he said, but he said something very similar to that, to that, that I'm far worse than anything they could ever say about me. Um, and yes, that, that is true. 
And, uh, but at the same time, when it comes from somebody you love, it comes at a whole nother level. Um, so being critical of that person, sometimes we are insensitive to the people that we love the most because we just assume that they'll take it well. Um, but that's not always true. And so you, you do want to make sure that your criticism is sensitive. Um, and you, you, you Brittany, are actually a little bit better about this than I am in that you'll preface what you're going to say with, Hey, can I say something? I've had to learn. Or, that. Yeah, because <laughs> I've learned that through lots of trial and error. You'll say something like, "Hey, can I say something to you that's going to help you, or that is critical that so that you you preface it that way so that I, brace I don't go I don't go in defense mode automatically. Yeah. Um, when you, you know preface it that coming. way, that way at least I can mentally say to myself, "Don't get mad," you know. Um, that I should have better control over myself than that anyway, but it does help to have that preparatory moment before it comes out. And I've also told you before, like, no, not right now. I'm not ready for yeah. it because I'm not in the right state of mind or frame of mind to react properly. Um, but yeah, so criticism, everybody needs constructive criticism. Um, but prefacing it the right way is extremely important. So let's move on to acts of service. If, your loved one, if your husband, if that's his love language, how can you best show that? And how should you um, be careful that you don't hurt them if they speak this love language? Um, so ways that you can show that. Um, use action phrases like, I will, I'll help. Um, they want to know that you're with them, partnered with them. Um, sometimes you might ask, hey, like, how can I help you? What is there something that you you need help with? How can I help in this situation? Um, you can do chores together, make them breakfast in bed, go out of your way to help alleviate their daily workload. So acts of service, I mean, this can be anything. We, we talked about making cookies, you know, it's going to be broad and vast. And depending on who you are and who your husband is, your acts of service may look totally different. Um, if your love language is acts of service, maybe your husband picking up groceries from the grocery store is going to speak love to you in a way that something else wouldn't. Um, if his love language is acts of service, maybe making cookies or... Um, Sometimes it's just easing um, the difficulty of whatever it is that they're doing. Um, I, like for us, when you were still packing things up uh, from the house in Knoxville, a lot of it was like, there were some days where you were running around like crazy. And, um, and for whatever reason, my workload that day was lighter and so it fell upon me to be like, hey, where can I ease the load? How can I help? And sometimes that was watch the kids. Sometimes it was move these boxes or whatever. Um, but sometimes that, that acts of service isn't necessarily me doing some, you doing something extra. Mm. Um, it's just simply doing something to ease whatever it is that they're doing. You're not necessarily doing something for them, just making it easier for them to do it and, and lowering their stress level if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think something too, that's really important to point out with acts of service, especially in the example that you just gave, there were some days where there was nothing that you really could do to help me. Like everything that was on my task list. And, and that was a unique season. Um, but the things that were on my task list were not things that necessarily you could accomplish. I wanted to do the packing. I'm the organizing one. I needed to do it. You couldn't make dinner. Um, but just knowing Trust that me, I can't make dinner. <laughs> If you could do DoorDash, um, <laughs> just knowing that he saw me and recognized that I was stressed and overwhelmed and had enough love to ask 
that spoke to that love language in that moment and helped me in, in a way that, you know, I needed in that moment. Something that you would want to avoid is making the requests of others a higher priority than your spouse. If their love language is acts of service and you are not doing acts of service for them or maybe um, doing it for them, but really putting more emphasis on others, then that can can speak the opposite of love to them. And I would really give a warning here, even with your children. And I know like we're in a season with little kids where they... I mean, they need me for their very survival, but so often I put their needs over the needs of Simeon and I, that's, that's a wrong priority. He needs to come first as my husband and then, and, and obviously, you know, diapers have to be changed. Kids have to be fed, um, you know, things like that. You have to take care of those things, but I need to make sure that he is a priority as my spouse and isn't feeling neglected because of children, because of friends, because even of ministry sometimes. I will insert this here too. Um, we we have a friend that Brittany Diet I guess talks about quite a bit on the podcast is Scott Pauly. Um, but he he gives an illustration or tells a story a lot about how when he was a teenager, his dad put a sticker on his mirror when he would get up in the morning and he had to look at it every single morning, but it just said attitude. And I we talk about that with kids and with teenagers, but the the truth is no matter what love language it is that you're trying to express, if you're doing it just because you know it's your husband's love language or your wife's love language, and so you're doing it, but you're doing it without any kind of positive attitude. And I think that can can apply to any of these. Well, it totally not only destroys the effort and the reason, like your spouse is going to pick up on that and it's going to make it like, oh, well, gee, thanks. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, or it'll actually have the opposite effect of what you want it to if you're not doing it with the right attitude. And it also, acts of service especially, but all of these things, they have to be done expecting nothing in return. Um, because if they're not, then they're not selfless, they're selfish. And so if you're doing anything expecting something, if you're, you know, for me, I'm making a cup of tea or whatever it is that I'm doing. If I'm doing that expecting something of Brittany, I might as well not have done it at all. Well, let me say here too, I know, I mean, I have hundreds of ladies that listen to this podcast and some of you may be listening and you, maybe your husband's not saved or maybe, maybe you're just not in a good relationship and you're listening to this almost feeling frustrated or defeated or discouraged that, Hey, I may pour into him and he does nothing for me in return. And, and I, I have not been there, um, but I, I can imagine that that is a difficult place to be. I think everybody's been there on some level. If yeah. you've been married very long, you've been there on some level, even yeah. if it's not you're not in a bad marriage or anything. Mm-hmm. But we've all been where we feel like I am pouring into this person and I'm not getting anything in return. But let me just challenge you to remember, like Simeon said, whatever on the good bad spectrum your marriage is, I don't I don't love Simeon for Simeon, and let me explain that. I love him with the love of Christ. And only as I love him with the love of Christ can I truly love him as I should. Um, So as I fall more in love with Christ, I then can better express love to Simeon. And you know what? He is a sinner and I am a sinner and we are ugly people. And marriage reveals that to a level that nothing else in life does. Um, But it is my commitment to Christ that fuels my commitment to him and vice versa. Um, so if you are listening to this and you know you have those negative feelings come up, 
let me just remind you of the verse where God gives the challenge. I think it's Paul wrote that, you know, through the godly testimony of the wife, that that the husband can be influenced for Christ. And maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I I would have no hope of return or reciprocated um, effort or love or expression. Um, but let me just encourage you that God says in his word that even, even if you have a hard-hearted husband or you're in a situation where you might feel like you are putting more into it than what you're receiving out of it, do it for Christ. Do it for a love for him and just commit, commit your heart to him. He knows what you're dealing with. He understands your emotion um, better than any other person could. And he loves you and he wants to love you through that. He wants to change you to use that situation to make you more like him and to use your love, your Christ-like love, your selfless love to your spouse to win them and to woo them, not just to you, but to him. There's two principles that apply there. One is that love is a choice, not an emotion. And um, the world and the worldly mindset is, if this is no longer servicing me, I dispose of it. And they don't say it so much that way, but some, in some places they literally do say it basically that way. They say, this marriage isn't fitting me anymore, or this uh, relationship isn't working for me anymore, but it becomes, it's all about, it's about me, not the other person. And so that's a philosophy that's totally upside down. It's about our happiness. It's about our happiness, right? I'm no longer happy with this, or this is no longer good for me. And again, if you're in an abusive situation, we're not talking Mm -hmm. about that. But um, if, you know, the, the worldly mindset is that everything is supposed to serve me, that this marriage is supposed to serve me. And if it doesn't make me feel good anymore, then it's not love. But that's not that's not love. That's not what the Bible talks about. Love is a choice. It's something you choose to do. It's not disconnected from emotion, but it is not emotional in its very nature. It's a choice that you make to serve and to live for another person, just like Jesus loves us. Yes, I think there is emotion. God's an emotional God, um, but it's not just emotion. He chooses to love us even when we are completely unlovely. Um, because it was a, a, a choice that he has made to love us. Okay, so that, that's the first principle. It's a choice that we make even when it doesn't feel good. Um, the second principle is what you were talking about just now in that you're loving that other person even when they're unlovely may just win them to Christ. And in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 22, it talks about when you're being kind to a person who's mean to you, you're heaping hot coals on their head. And it doesn't literally mean you be kind to them to hurt them. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that your kindness smites their heart. Um, and so that other, that other spouse will in turn respond by either being kinder to you, or in some cases, they, some spouses will even be meaner to you because you're being nice to them because it's, it, it's convicting their heart and their response to that is one of two things. Either they respond by changing or they respond by going further in that direction, but eventually they'll either change or or things will get so bad that, you know, whatever. But the point is, your loving them is the right thing to do, whether it feels right or not. Um, and that's, I, again, we've not been in that, a really bad version of that situation, but I can say from experience that there have been times where I have been bitter or upset at Brittany for whatever reason, and then she's done something kind for me, and it's like, okay, I need to go apologize because there's no reason for me to, to be this way. She's proven that she loves me. Um, 
so that that I think that's just the, that's the second principle that I wanted to address there is that that having and showing love towards your spouse in the way that they receive love is important, even if you don't feel like it. And even if, um, you don't feel like they deserve it. So the next one is quality time. A way to communicate this is uninterrupted and focused conversation. One-on-one time is critical. Um, some things that you could do, create special moments together, take walks, do small things with your spouse. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because we really dug deep into this last time talking about date night ideas, quality time, spending time with your spouse. Um, let me say here that this is, this is an area that we need to be better about. But in our culture today, when we're talking about quality time, whether it's with your spouse, with your kids, whatever, we need to put away our phones and our media and those things. Quality time means I am investing my heart, my life, my ears, my mind, my eyes into you. And it is through me doing that, almost making a sacrifice of self that I am showing you love. So if we are gonna effectively communicate that, we have to remove the distractions. And and I, I don't say that as someone who is guiltless in this area. Um, especially with my kids, I think more so. I tend to just be so distracted during the day that you know Instagram takes priority over me setting things aside, looking them in the eyes, and speaking and listening to them. But I just, I, I couldn't say the spending quality time without making an emphasis on this because it is just, it's something that we struggle with in today's day and age and culture today. What happened to the person that fell in love with your spouse? And I say that, you know, not condemningly at all, but you fell in love with that person for a reason. Obviously you communicated with that person. So why do we at some point, and we did the same thing at some point, spending time together becomes about getting our entertainment from the outside of our relationship. Why is spending time together so difficult <laughs> that I, I guess when we first cut, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not making a plug to cut TV again, but when we first cut that out of our marriage, there was this weird time of, well, what do we do now? What do we talk about? <laughs> and it's like, well, why, why is that so hard? Cause that's what we, when we were dating, that's what we did. We sat and we talked and we well, let me see as we're addressing this and as we're addressing media specifically, which good night, we could go on a major rabbit trail. And I said we weren't going to spend much time here, but um, we are so overstimulated. I don't think I, we are losing the ability to just be. Oh, yeah. I mean, when was the last time you just sat and were quiet with someone? Like, seriously, like, even if it's not, not even reading, not even when was the last time you just sat? and was quiet with someone like we, we, we used to go, we had the little spot in Gatlinburg that we used to go when we would go to the couples retreat with our church and stuff. And we would go to this little cabin place. And, um, honestly, some of the best times that we had was just sitting like next to a fireplace or in the hot tub or outside sitting next to the little Bring pond. Back Andy Griffith days. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it was sitting, sitting outside next to that little pond. And, you know, some of that time we were chatting but there was, there's ups and downs in conversation, and sometimes you're just sitting. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it sounds horribly boring when you're constantly stimulated all the time. Um, but that just sitting and being it is, good. is important. It is good for the body. It is good for the mind. 
it's good for the relationship. And I'm not saying every date night you just need to sit and hold hands and not talk. I, I'm just saying we are so, so overstimulated that I wanted to give that warning here in this quality time area that maybe you just need to unplug and just enjoy being together. I mean, God says, be still and know that I am God. It is in the stillness that we hear his voice. It is in the stillness that our hearts are drawn nigh to him. And as you and your husband are one, sometimes it is in the stillness that God draws you together. Um, Maybe you're in a difficult relationship and you don't know what to say or what to do or how to express. Maybe you just need to be. And, you know, maybe you just, in in the being, you just need to pray. God, work in the stillness, work in this quietness. I I don't know what to say to this man. I don't know how to show love to this man. I don't know how to work through this, but we're just going to be. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about doing personal devotions, so I had nothing to do with this topic. But um, one of the pastors that was speaking said that one of the things that he does, he's, he's an older pastor, but he said one of the things that he started doing when he does his devotions is he starts by just sitting and being quiet. He is not even praying, just sitting. And he said at first that was super weird and it was really awkward, but someone had recommended that he do it. And he was like, I just sat there and I'm looking at the walls and I'm drumming my fingers. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, but he said as he, as he did it and he got used to doing it, he found that it pushed the distractions away, it quieted his mind, and then when he entered into prayer, he could focus on prayer. It refreshes the soul. I think yeah. sometimes we wonder, why are, why are we so chaos? Why are we so busy? Why are we so um, overwhelmed and anxious? And maybe it's because our brains are just being way overloaded. But I found when, I, when you and I are, you know, spending, if we go out or whatever, and we're spending time together, we tend to start our conversation by talking about this is happening and that's happening. This is on the schedule and this is what we need to get done and blah, 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 blah. But the longer we're sitting there and talking, the deeper that conversation gets and the less, you know, this is what needs to get done or surface level nonsensical type stuff, the less of that we talk about and the more either quietness we have or the deeper conversation. And and I think that's because it takes us that long to push through all of the stuff that's surface and get somewhere. But I think if we just sat and were quiet, it would help with that. All right. So these last two, we'll move to receiving gifts. How can you communicate this? Thoughtfulness. Make your spouse a priority. Speak purposefully. Um, You can give thoughtful gifts and gestures. Small things matter in a big way. It doesn't have to be this big, fancy, expensive. Just little things to let them know that you love them. Things you should avoid forgetting special occasions <laughs> and unenthusiastically gift giving. Um, Sims kind of touched on that earlier. Put your heart into it. Um, but if your person's love language is receiving gifts, don't forget the birthday. Don't forget anniversaries. Don't forget Valentine's Use Day. Use your calendar. That is one good use of technology. Use your phone's calendar. Set a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> Set multiple reminders of DB. And then the last one is physical touch. So how do you communicate this? This is more nonverbal. So you're going to use body language, touch, different things like that to emphasize to your person, I love you. And I know when we talk about marriage and we talk about physical touch, we immediately go to sex, which is part of it. But this could even be something as simple as a hug, a kiss, holding hands, um, you know, just his hand on the small of my back, me putting my hand on his shoulder, just that physical connection of, hey, I love you. And I think there's been times where you've been, okay, so just our life, you're often a hunched over computer doing your work. 
furrowed brow, busy in something you're doing. And I've noticed like I touch your shoulder and your muscles relax. Just that one little touch just alleviates. And that is your love language. So I've been trying to learn better how to express that in a variety of ways. Um, But just to make intimacy a really thoughtful priority. And then things that you should avoid if this is the love language is physical neglect, obviously, um, long periods without intimacy, or receiving affection coldly. Um, You know, if your person receives love through physical touch, don't recoil from them if they want to touch you and that's not your love language. Yeah. Um, I think for, even though this isn't one of your chief ways, um, there are times in which it, you know, for me as the man, physical touch, men in general tend to be more sensitive this direction in, in the physical touch kind of direction. But, um, that means that we also express that way more frequently than women probably are apt to. Um, but I think even with yours, sometimes you're, you're stressed out about something or you're, you're move, move, move all the time. And, you know, that, that also means that you tend to need conversation more. But sometimes there have been times where you've been so stressed out that it's something as simple as me just touching both sides of your face and saying, hey, look, I'm here. Look at me. Get me to focus back in. Focus in. Yeah, we're here. We're not there. Um, that, that is a physical touch kind of thing, but it, it can actually lend to conversation or lend to something else because sometimes it pulls you out of whatever rabbit hole you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and vice versa. I think a lot of times it may start as, you know, for us specifically, because these are our love languages, it may start as words of affirmation. I just need you to hear me out. I need to share my heart. I, that's how I process through things. I need to talk them out. And he's my person. Um, which then leads to physical touch, to spending intimate time together that, you know, fills both of our love tanks, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And I think, um, honestly, all of this lends to each other. When we are being more intimate, I'm more apt to buy you things, even though gift giving is not your love language. So I think it all, it all kind of feeds each other. Um, but Physical touch, especially for men, I think is, is a major thing. And that doesn't, again, it doesn't always necessarily mean sexual things. It can simply mean brush his shoulder when you walk by or, you know, or whatever. I think to all of these, there's a level of expression. Um, you know, sometimes it's going to call for all the way. Sometimes it's going to look different. Sometimes, you know, maybe you just have a brief period. And there's been some times where we just duck in the nook of our kitchen and share a two-minute kiss. And, you know, that is what we needed to recharge and get back through the day and to say, hey, I love you in the middle of chaos. I see you and I care about you. Um, So anyway, that is a little bit about love languages. If you haven't read the book, check it out. It's helpful. Take the quiz, see what yours is, find out your husband's and then um, just honestly pray and ask the Lord, how can I better show love to this person that you have put into my life to love, unlike any other person um, in your life that God has given you? Well, thanks for joining us on this podcast. Simeon, thanks for chatting with me once again. And you can look forward to hearing him on the next episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. 
I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman He's called you to be. Thanks for listening.